Thursday on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us and letting us be part of your day. It's day number two of the Farm Progress Show here in Decatur, Illinois. A beautiful day, and all systems go today. Field demos going, big crowd on the exhibit field. Secretary Sonny Perdue on the grounds as well, talking with farmers, so there's a lot going on. The middle day here of the Farm Progress Show. Joining me is uh, National Show's Director for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman. And Matt, uh, even though you couldn't have field demonstrations yesterday, weather was good and you had a good crowd. We did have a good crowd. And, and you know, it was, we'll just call it a pre-treatment of dust control that we had in the days leading up to the show to get us in, in good shape and, uh, um, you know, soften the parking lots a little bit. Traffic coming in was a little slow, but at the end of the, you know, it, the the thirty thousand foot view of yesterday was that we had a way above average Tuesday and looking forward to a really really good day today. Well, of course, Wednesday is usually the biggest day attendance wise, and uh, field demonstrations all on schedule, right? Everything's all a go. Combines will roll at eleven o'clock. Uh, noon we'll fire off the the tiling demonstration. One o'clock will be the mock line strike. Two o'clock the um, the tillage tools take the field. Uh, but I'd say that the autonomous machine is going to run. You know, we're going to have an autonomous driverless grain cart running in the combine demo next to a combine. And then that whole project, that whole show, the whole autonomy show goes over to its own driving range. So throughout the day, uh, today and tomorrow, you can get a look at a driverless tractor and, and, and experience some of that. Secretary Purdue is here already talking with farmers, meeting with them, uh, with some members of the Illinois congressional delegation, meeting with farmers with a roundtable discussion going yep, on. I believe that's going on as we speak. Uh, and then we have a... Uh, an opportunity. We've lined up one of the field demo tools. He's going to run a K620 quad track with an 875 ripper and make a pass. And then the congressmen are going to make passes in the same machine before he comes to the hospitality building and sit down with Max Norian later today. Uh-huh. Now, uh, your schedule for tomorrow, for those that will be coming on the last day, What's your schedule for field demos tomorrow? Everything is on schedule. We, the, uh, we're using, on the on the biggest attendance day, we're using the best corn we've got. It's testing about 24%, and so that's that makes great demos. The next stuff is 86-day corn that we defoliated a couple weeks ago, and that's significantly wetter. So we're going to see how I that goes. I heard 40%. Well, right? there, was, there was, yes, yes, <laughs> there was some 40 But we we chopped some corn and you can't you can't run that defoliant anywhere near mm-hmm. something that's going to go into a ruminant so there's a the, the 40 came from that buffer so i'm not sure that we've seen the exact effect of the salt of this of the defoliant until we get a little deeper into that field so how much do you actually hope to get done uh, how much harvesting will be done today and tomorrow today we we gave them 28 we had 40 acres of that 77 day corn so they took half of it at three o'clock yesterday and then everybody and, and and we cut the cut the field down through the middle of it so it makes for real short passes but everybody all the combines are going to get three passes and all the tillage tools are going to get one pass because we've got uh, uh, I can't remember how many rows they said we had but enough to make three passes with 13 combines and then 40 some tillage tools so the, the tillage tools will only get one pass. A lot of other demonstrations going on, uh, you know, tiling and things like that, right? Yep, the, t- the tiling, the, the horse training, the, you know, the, the mock line strike demonstration, that's going to be pretty jarring for folks. I, I think it's a, it's a good reminder to, to call 811 before you go tiling or digging fence post holes or 
anything like that. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that at 1 o'clock today, too. All right, so all systems go. Should be a huge day today. And, and hey, tomorrow's a good day to come. Usually yeah. the crowd's a little lighter and you get around a lot easier. All my friends and family, I tell them to come on Thursday because there, it's way easier to get around. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Matt Youngman, National Shows Director for Farm Progress. We'll talk with him uh, for the final report uh, coming up tomorrow to kick off our show. Today we're broadcasting from the Syngenta exhibit here at the Farm Progress Show. And joining me now is Matt Geiger. Matt? Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Mike. Tell us a little bit about the area that you cover for Syngenta. So I'm an agronomist for Syngenta Crop Protection, and I cover Route 50 down in southern Illinois, uh, the width of the state up to about Champaign. Okay. So I'm sure, like everyone's talking this year, the variability of the crop because of the weather challenges we've had. Tell us about your area and what you've seen. It really hasn't been much different than really anywhere across the Corn Belt. Uh, I've been talking to many growers here at the show, and everyone's really been facing the same challenges. Very wet weather causing delays in planting, delays in herbicide applications as well, uh, multiple replants in some cases, and some fields that didn't get planted at all. Uh-huh. So what are you hearing a lot from, from farmers right now? What are they, what are they asking you? Uh, they're asking me about uh, weed management, especially yeah. in soybeans and uh, you know, also in corn. So... I know you're talking a lot about Acuron. What, what advantages, what benefits have farmers seen that used Acuron? So Acuron had a good year. Um, one thing that our growers got to experience this year, you know, if they didn't get their pre-emergence applications on, Acuron is very flexible and has good crop safety. So in a lot of cases, the corn and the weeds were both up at the time of the Acuron application. And so folks really got to see how flexible and safe the product is. And also, in a lot of cases, the weeds were getting very large by the time our retailers and farmers could get out there and spray. And so they got to see the benefit of the additional HPPD inhibitor, bicyclopyrone, on large weeds. Because it's been, just from the get-go this year, everything was late, including being able to get out there and, and go after weeds, right? Yes, it's been tough from the get-go. And the later you get into the growing season, you know, water hemp likes uh, wetter soils and hotter temperatures. So, you know, we get a lot of flushes of water hemp later in the season like this. What are we seeing as far as uh, uh, the impact on yield from the use of Acuron? So Acuron being the most broad-spectrum and longest-lasting herbicide on the market in the corn market, uh, we've seen 5 to 15 bushel better yield produced uh, from fields tree with Acuron than with some competitive products just because, you know, if you're not controlling your weeds, you are indeed losing yield. And so uh, a product like Acuron is going to put more money back in your pocket. You know, this year has been a challenge trying to just catch up. But where does what is the impact you think this year going to have on next year, already looking ahead to 2020? So as I drive through the countryside here in 2019, I've seen more weeds in fields than I have in years past. And so in some cases, we're kind of pressing the reset button on a lot of these farmers who have successfully managed their weed seed banks in the past. And so we're really going to be repopulating the weed seed bank for next year. So we really need to be diligent in getting a good pre-emergence herbicide on, followed by a good post-emergence herbicide as well. So we can't have any escapes just because the seed production of water hemp is just so, so high. And you've got a lot of ground that will be prevent plant this year that will be coming back into production next year. Yes, absolutely. A lot of these prevent plant fields, I see farmers going through and doing tillage, and tillage hasn't been 100% uh, on these prevent plant fields, and so there's going to be weed seed production in those fields as well. Matt, where can uh, growers get more information about Acuron? So they can get more information on Acuron if they go to acuron-herbicide.com. All right, so we encourage people to check that out because uh, that's going to be – it's always a battle with weeds, and we know that's 
that challenge is, gets greater every year, but especially in a year like this and then setting up, as we said, what may be coming next year. Yes, absolutely, Mike. All right, Matt, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Matt Geiger with Syngenta. And, again, we are broadcasting from the Syngenta exhibit here at the Farm Progress Show. This day number two of the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. Again, uh, field demonstrations going uh, right on schedule. Weather is great. Big, big crowd turning out here at the Farm Progress Show. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Stay with us. It's day two of the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Joining us now to talk ag issues, the Executive Vice President of the American Farm Bureau Federation, Dale Moore. Dale, how are you? I'm very good, Mike. I I heard Rusty's update on the markets, and it's nice to hear at least a little bit of positive news kind of coming back in after we had a rough start to the week. We need some positive news for sure, and I guess that's a good place to start because it seems like most of the news in agriculture right now is negative. What are you hearing from your members across the country? Well, it's that uh, ongoing series of, of frustrations of how difficult it is to get some of these trade issues sorted out. You know, there's a lot of appreciation uh, you know, expressed relative to the president and Secretary Purdue's efforts to provide some trade assistance authority on top of, you know, getting the new farm bill implemented, getting the the process on the disaster bill. Those, you know, a lot of work going on at those FSA offices trying to help folks out. But man, what we would really love to see is some resolution. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Have you or a loved one used Roundup Weed Killer and been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-966-3316. In an August 9, 2019 Bloomberg News story, it was reported that Bayer AG is proposing to pay as much as $8 billion to settle more than 18,000 lawsuits, alleging its Roundup Weed Killer was responsible for the plaintiff's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Strict deadlines may apply, so call 800-966-3316. That's 800-966-3316 for a free case review today. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. 
If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back here at the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. We're at the Syngenta Tent. We're going to talk here in a moment with the officers of the National Corn Growers Association, but we're happy to have with us now from Syngenta, Phil Craig. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, your uh, area, your role with, with Syngenta. Uh, I'm an agronomy service representative for Syngenta Crop Protection. I work in southern Illinois, uh, uh, cover um, a little corner of southwestern Indiana. I have four sales reps that I support, and um, our job is to really train our sales reps and train our retailers that sell our products. Well, this year, uh, Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology, a soybean herbicide that was new to the market. Tell us a little bit about it. So Tavium is the first uh, uh, dicamba product with residual. So it's a combination of uh, Extendamax with Vapor Grip Technology plus Esmetolachlor. Uh, what we're looking at there, the advantage of that program is you have the advantages of the dicamba product, the Extendamax, plus the residual of espitolachlor. What's been the reaction, the response so far this year? The response has been very good. Uh, we really do emphasize everything that we do about around weed resistance uh, with a focus on the easiest weed to control is the one that we don't ever let come up. And so Tavium gives us that advantage to kill the weeds that are up and then give us residual to carry on for the rest of the season. A lot of challenges, a lot of uh, things to keep in mind when it comes to application. We get, you got certain windows, you've got the weather conditions to take into consideration. What can you tell us about uh, how Tavium uh, worked this year and, and as far as meeting all those guidelines? So, yes, our guidelines around Tavium, are the same as all the dicamba products on the market for soybeans. Uh, ours are a little bit more restrictive. Uh, because of the esmetolachlor, the dual component, It's uh, we're really wanting to see that uh, tavium go on early. Uh, a good target that we recommend to growers is about three weeks after planting. Three weeks after that first residual application is a good time to be getting that tavium out there. We can get as much of that tavium and the dual to the soil as possible. So the message has been well received, and, and we're really wanting to work with retailers and work with growers so that we can get the best performance out of both of those active ingredients. Weed resistance is is a big issue right now and a big challenge. How does tavium fit into that? Tavium fits in really well. Our whole message surround, is, is surrounded by weed resistance. So no matter what we're using, what, whatever soybean technology we're using, we always want to start with a good residual program down at planting or slightly before planting uh, using like a boundary, a broad axe or a prefix and then come back with that post application very timely. Uh, like I said, we, we really want people in that three week window after planting, get it on out there and uh, get rain, activate the dual and uh, that's how we'll get uh, the best weed resistance, uh, that w the best modes of action we can get out there. We hear about dicamba concerns, dicamba complaints. That's why it's very important to follow the uh, label, right? Absolutely. Uh, we want everybody to 
get on the website, take a look, do all the best management practices to, to, to adhere to what we know about the dicamba restrictions and rules that we have. I think we're all getting better at that, in all honesty. I, I see a lot of progress in the stewardship of that product, uh, of dicamba on soybeans. And so I'm pretty confident uh, we're, 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 we're getting better and, and we're going to be fine. Where can growers get more information about Tavium? Uh, best place to go would be to uh, Syngenta, uh, uh, resistancefighter.com is a good place to go. Um, and uh, our talk to your local retailer and our Syngenta sales rep. All right, Phil, thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, Phil Craig with Syngenta as we're broadcasting here at the Farm Progress Show, Indicator, Illinois, day number two. We are in the Syngenta tent. Joined now by the officers of the National Corn Growers Association. We have Lynn Crisp, who's president. He's from Nebraska. Kevin Ross, first vice president. Uh, from Iowa, and John Linder from Ohio, first vice president-elect. Guys, good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, very, thanks, Mike. Very good to be here, Mike. Thanks uh, for having us. Secretary Purdue is here and uh, talking some ag issues. You guys have uh, <laughs> got some issues that uh, you want to talk about with the administration. Let's start off uh, on a positive note here, Lynn. The deal with Japan, we're still waiting for details, but uh, finally some good trade news. It, it really is. Uh, Japan is our uh, number two uh, customer for corn, and uh, whether uh, we're delivering corn to them as uh, whole kernel corn or uh, it's in other exports with ethanol, beef, or pork, uh, it's all good market, and uh, National Corn Growers Association is uh, hardworking at demand, 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 because we've got a product that needs to be moved. Now we need some action, uh, some positive developments on China, right? Yeah, that would uh, be really nice. Uh, we get uh, good news one week, bad news the next type of thing. It's a kind of uh, situation I'm not sure that we're holding our breath any longer, you know, as to when that might get resolved. And uh, the markets kind of reflect that as well. Uh, you, they can uh, get uh, some kind of a news and uh, not get much of a response out of it anymore. And we're just going to have to hunker down and uh, let that one play out. In the meantime, John Linder, uh, passage of USMCA, that, that's critical for agriculture, isn't it? Paramount. There are so many good parts to that agreement that we could carry forward into future agreements, as in with Japan. If we could get USMCA across, we'll be looking at the same kind of uh, uh, caveats that we're looking for for biotech and, and all the uh, just the basic trade issues that create barriers that yep. we need to Before we get into the RFA and uh, all the ethanol issues, I want to ask you, Lynn, uh, in Nebraska, your area of Nebraska, tell us uh, where you're at in the state and how do crops look in your area? Uh, Our operation is in the south-central part of uh, the state uh, by Hastings, and uh, crop went in just a little bit late, but uh, we're looking pretty good, uh, expecting a really good crop. It's that time of year with weather in Nebraska. When a cloud goes over, somebody gets dinged. Uh, that happened just uh, last week, uh, just a little ways away. Uh, didn't affect our operation, but Nebraska's looking to have a pretty good crop. How worried are you about a early frost, though? Um, uh, not so much there, really. Uh, it, we, we went in uh, uh, early enough uh, for the most part that uh, frost is not particularly a concern. You, c- you can always get one of those that we haven't had for 25 years, you know, that shows up in the middle of September, you know, that might hurt the you know, if, if it uh, 
stays away into October, then we're okay. John, it's been a challenging year, I know, in Ohio. How do crops look in your area? What part of the state are you from? About an hour north of Columbus, so central Ohio. And I, I can tell you on that frost issue, it's, it's quite variable because I have a friend in northern Ohio that didn't get to plant another shed, so he has no concern of frost whatsoever because he won't even use his combine. Well, I guess that's a positive to that, isn't well, it? Well, that is. But in our area, we got about half our intended acres planted on corn, and it's about the same on beans to prevent plant for the first time ever. The corns looked pretty good, uh, although we finished on June 4th, and I've got some dairies in Reston Biden's corn because they were working on the manure and not getting corn planted. So I'm hoping maybe I give them some really good corn. They'll go take the uh, late planted. I think it's good, but, boy, it could be precarious if uh, yeah. at low test weight for an early frost. Well, I'm going to be coming over your way in, a, in just a couple of weeks for a Buckeyes game here <laughs> later oh, in good. September, so yeah. I'll, I'll be there soon. Kevin Ross, how do things look on your farm in Iowa? Uh, we look pretty good right there in southwest Iowa, Mike. It's uh, uh, in, in the hill ground down there. Um, you know, we're, we're one of the better spots in the state, I think. And uh, and I can say the same for, for uh, when I walk out my front door, it looked pretty good. But you don't have to go too far away. And certainly flooding issues that uh, we saw all spring in the Missouri River bottom. Um, you know, certainly you can't uh, you can't discount the issues that that uh, that they've had and those guys and the struggles that have been down there. But um, overall, I think the state of Iowa is going to have a, a good crop. I don't know if we'll quite hit the uh, the numbers we've had the last couple years, but uh, um, you know, still pretty good. But as you talk with other corn grower members across the country, variability, right? It, it very much so is that way, and I think uh, you know conversations I had this spring um, all across you know all across the corn belt. Uh, it was really interesting to hear, uh, you know, the, the the issues that were, you know, all weather related and water related in general. But uh, uh, and then also you had situations where it, it just shut off. You know, once we got through that that extremely wet spring through June, uh, you know, the water just shut off in a lot of places. And it was uh, that way at home for for a while, and, and certainly did some damage in certain areas too. All right, we are talking with the leadership of the National Corn Growers Association here at the Farm Progress Show. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a lot to wade into here when it comes to the RFS, those small refinery exemptions, what it's done to the ethanol industry, and what uh, may be coming down the line to try to address some of those issues. Secretary Purdue talked a little bit about that this morning here at the Farm Progress Show. So we'll take a break and come back and talk more with the leaders of the National Corn Growers Association. Stay with us here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
from cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rall. Weather appears to have taken somewhat of a drier turn over the next few weeks and a bit cooler than normal, delaying growth and maturity of already late crops. Although September appears to look mostly frost-free, at this stage, some forecasters are looking at potential frost for the first week in October in the northern Midwest. We have heard no further discussions regarding the agreement in principle reached by the U.S. and Japan. On the Board of Trade, September corn down a fraction of a cent at 357. September soybeans down five and a half at 840 and three quarters of a cent. September Minneapolis spring wheat down four cents at 490 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat September down three cents at 389 and three quarters of a cent. September Chicago wheat down three cents at 470 and a half cent. Cash cattle activity remains quiet going into midweek with just a few token asking prices early in the week. Even these asking prices remain pretty vanilla at $108 in the south and $178 to $180 in the north. The U.S. and Canadian cattle report released on Tuesday afternoon posted generally steady cattle numbers from a year ago levels. This gives a clear view that the weather conditions and flooding during the spring months did not have a significant statistical impact on overall cattle numbers. Lean hog futures were able to regain most of the early session losses Tuesday afternoon. This is viewed as a positive move, which may spark additional underlining support in the complex. October lean hogs $1.77 lower at $61.45. August feeders $0.12 cents higher at $138.67. August live cattle up $0.70 cents at $105.45. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. For the American Ag Network, I'm Kirsten Rall. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Day number two of the Farm Progress Show. We're in the Syngenta tent at the uh, show side here in Decatur, Illinois. And... 
With us now from Syngenta is Kevin Scholl. Kevin, thanks for being with us. Tell us a little bit about uh, your role with Syngenta, the area you cover. Yeah, Mike, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm an agronomist. I cover uh, northern Illinois. I've got uh, six different sales reps I I support in that geography. All right. Let's talk about resistance fighter and uh, what you're recommending uh, when it comes to uh, uh, using resistance fighter for weed and resistance management. Yeah, so uh, resistance fighter is uh, kind of a theme that that we've developed here at Syngenta. It's really kind of talking about uh, some major uh, uh, guidelines for uh, growers to follow. You know, start clean is going to be very important, whether you're in a no-till situation or not, uh, or a conventional tillage. Uh, the second one is uh, really around using uh, two-pass programs to be able to control some of these uh, uh, resistant weeds that we have out in the field, like uh, water hemp, and use robust rates. Uh, uh, it's going to be very important uh, when you when you cut rates. That uh, kind of brings on resistance. So many weed challenges. Uh, it's a Definitely. it's an issue that is bigger every year, and I think especially a year like this, which sets up a big challenge again next year. What solutions can growers uh, turn to besides herbicides? There's a there are a, you know growing uh, uh, part there. Uh, you know, cover crops is one that uh, growers can use anytime we get some type of cover out there in the field that competes with any emerging weeds uh, that uh, that definitely helps out uh, increasing plant population or narrowing up uh, uh, plant rows also helps uh, keep the keep the the ground shaded out keeps it uh, you know that that helps keep the crop from uh, uh, the can the canopy there to for the uh, keep the weeds out of the out of the rows we've heard a lot about using multiple effective sites of action to fight uh, weed resistance. Why are those so important? Well, whenever you, you only use one effective site of action on a weed, you're really kind of uh, putting a lot of selection pressure on that weed, uh, on that uh, herbicide. So uh, we are always been talking about uh, using multiple effective sites of action with our chemistries. A lot of uh, uh, premixes that we sell have multiple effective sites of action for whatever tar- our target weed is, and especially around uh, water hemp, uh, we've, we've got premixes that will uh, have provide three different uh, effective sites of action for uh, water hemp, both pre- and post-emergence. So uh, we're, we're able to uh, target those weeds and be able to control them pretty effectively in the field. So what kind of herbicide programs do you recommend? So uh, on the corn side, uh, uh, our mainstay has been Acuron up front as, a, uh, as the pre-emergent. And then uh, we can do a split shot with that or, uh, or come back with Halix GT. A lot of times we, uh, we put a little bit of atrazine with that or, or dicamba that gives us another, another side of action on the post side. So that would give us you know, four, five, or six different uh, effective sites of action for water hemp. On the soybean side, uh, the majority of the time we're, we're in the, the boundary, which gives us two effective sites of action on uh, water hemp. Uh, broad axe is another product that uh, would give us another two two effective sites of action for pre-emerge. On the post side, uh, coming back uh, with uh, Tavium with Vapor Grip Technology is our is our new uh, uh, post-emergent uh, uh, pre-mix with uh, Dicamba and, and Dual in that. Uh, we also have uh, several other products that we can uh, apply 
Uh, one naming is, is uh, uh, prefix, which uh, gives us two effective sites of action for a water hemp, and that can be tank mixed with any of the uh, trait platform herbicides that are on the market today. And where can growers uh, go to get more information? Uh, I would contact the, uh, the, their local sales rep for one, or they could go to the Internet and uh, www.resistancefighter.com would be a good place to go also. Very good. Kevin, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Kevin Scholl with Syngentas. We are broadcasting from the Syngenta tent today here at the Farm Progress Show. And we continue now with the leaders of the uh, National Corn Growers Association, Lynn Crisp, the president, Kevin Ross, first vice president, and John Linder, first vice president elect. All right, guys, let's get into this, uh, the big issue of the RFS. Um, Secretary Purdue saying here today at the Farm Progress Show that uh, an announcement is coming from the White House uh, on the action they're going to take because of the, uh, the concerns that have been raised over the granting of these small refinery exemptions. Lynn, do we have any idea uh, what might be in that announcement? Uh, we really don't at this point in time. Uh, there was a, a number of items that was offered up in communications with the administration as far as possibilities for mitigation, but uh, we don't know what has we don't know what has been uh, chosen in this particular situation, and so we'll just have to wait and see. Kevin, there's been talk of uh, you know trying to reallocate these lost gallons but maybe one rumor had it not till 2021 well that's that's way out there and i i can't imagine that'd be something you'd be in favor of waiting that long yeah one of the major uh, issues with this is the immediate impacts of the marketplace and the market uh, the ethanol industry itself right now is struggling and so uh we really need these in in 2020 um the reallocation reallocation of gallons is is really essential to uh to any any type of remedy that they come out with for this uh, uh, for this discussion, and, and um, you know we've been working hard on this. Uh, we're we're going to continue to to do that, but um, hopefully, hopefully we got some positive news coming out here. And um, I know uh, a lot of a lot of our legislators, as well as uh, uh, connections in the White House, have been and talking you know talking through this issue. Certainly, Secretary Purdue and others and, and are aware of the situation. But the immediate issues in the industry, we got to get something uh, something fast, Mike. You told the president this summer directly that these waivers were harming the ethanol industry. How did you feel when you heard that EPA had granted 31 more waivers? You know, I'll be honest; it was uh, uh, it was shocking. Um, first off, I think uh, I think it was it was definitely shocking, disappointing. Um, but you know, again, it's given us another opportunity to to uh, come back and see, uh, you know, let them know again, hey, how important this is to uh, to American agriculture. And this isn't just corn farmers. This is this is broader biofuel policy in general that that these SREs impact, and that's you know uh, all the corn market, but the corn market and, and the other uh, and soybeans they lift up, you know, everything else. We know how these markets interact with each other. And, uh, and the biofuels policies in general um, with the co-products that come out of these plants, things like that, they affect so many other industries. It's not just not just the ethanol industry, not just the corn market. I mean, this is cattle feed, uh, poultry feed, and also pork, you know, pork feed coming out of these plants. And you got plants shutting down across the U.S., slowing production. Uh, we're coming into harvest. That is just exactly uh, the wrong message that, we, that, that we're sending out there. And, and also when we're talking in these trade negotiations, Mike, it's absolutely critical that we 
we've got biofuels policy moving forward that is uh, strong policy. It's it's pushing things ab- above 10 percent. We know, you know, our, our competitors are doing this in their own countries, and for us to lead on biofuels policy um, in the future and in these trade agreements, we got to be, you know, we got to be pushing this and moving this in our own country. Len, I, I got the I had the feeling that somehow the president got the message, whether it was from EPA or whoever was advising him, that they could grant those waivers and not cause harm, and he wouldn't get this pushback. Then all of a sudden, he got the pushback from from his base, from farm country, and I think the political realities really hit him. I, I, I can only imagine there must have been a conversation somewhere along the lines of something like, uh, wait a minute, I thought we weren't, we weren't going to get uh, pushback on this, and we have. What's happening? Yeah, yeah the... The administration has uh, come to rely upon the patience of the farmers in this regard, you know, and uh, a a lot of that has been focused around uh, trade issues. And uh, so there has been a lot of uh, grace that's been granted in that particular situation. But uh, uh, as far as the waivers go, uh, I refer to it as an unforced error. And... uh, it, it was a step too far in a decision that uh, somehow they misunderstood what uh, we felt as the impact of a domestic market then and the message that it was sending to farm country. Kevin, I know there's also some things happening uh, trying to uh, work with the auto industry, get more flex fuel vehicles out there. Those kind of things would help too. Yeah, certainly. There's a lot of other regulatory uh, pieces to this puzzle that um, um, that they can weigh in on, and and uh, just little things within EPA and and uh, fuels, um, you know, uh, fuels regulations, things like that that we can do, uh, or that the administration can do that uh, hopefully will will speed up the the impact that E15 is going to have, because um, we certainly know that, and that was a, a you know a, a good thing that the president did and pushed that through for us, and we certainly. Uh, uh, realize that, but we also know that that market was going to take a little while to build out in the way it was structured and, and set up. So uh, there are some things that they can do uh, to help us out and, and, and get that moving faster. And if we can um, work with them to, to achieve some of those results too, that would really you know really be helpful and and hopefully you know get the immediate impact that we need in this industry. Do we know when this announcement might come on what they're going to do on this, Lynn? Uh, not for certain, you know. We we expect it uh, most any time, but uh, we aren't uh, privy to the timing as to when that announcement might be made. It would have been nice if maybe to call you all in and give you a, a heads up, but uh, uh, are you, but you're hopeful, right, Kevin? That some he's going to address this somehow in a meaningful way. Uh, my concern has been all along. Yeah, you could up the RVO levels moving forward to try to make up for those lost gallons but if you're going to keep granting the waivers what good does that do yeah, that's exactly right and uh you know there's again I'm, i am hopeful mike that we're going to get a good resolution to this and um you know we've worked a lot of a lot of hours on this thing we've had staff work a lot of hours and a lot of other fr- friends across the industry so thanks for your time today Appreciate we hope it. we get some good news soon that's uh, kevin ross first vice president of the national corn growers len chris president of the national corn growers good to see you and earlier we heard from John Linder, first vice president elect for the National Corn Growers. Guys, thanks a lot. Yeah, really Mike, appreciate very it. Good to be with you. All right, back with more from the Farm Progress Show. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. 
Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready, and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, let's get an update on the ongoing battle with soybean cyst nematode. Joining us now is University of Illinois plant breeder, Dr. Brian Deers. Brian, thanks for joining us. I was just thinking in this year with all the crop production challenges, SCN is another challenge, a profit robber, a yield robber that uh, sometimes flies under the radar, just not as obvious, not as uh, easily seen uh, as a, a weather event. That's absolutely correct. Here in Illinois, where we have very good soils, we often will have losses from SCN, and people won't, won't see any above-ground symptoms. Plants will look very healthy, but yet there will be losses due to SCN. What you can do is just take soil samples, send them to a testing lab, and they'll at least tell you whether or not SCN is present in the field, and they'll also tell you how big of a problem it is. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Have you or a loved one used Roundup Weed Killer and been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-966-3316. In an August 9, 2019 Bloomberg News story, it was reported that Bayer AG is proposing to pay as much as $8 billion to settle more than 18,000 lawsuits, alleging its Roundup Weed Killer was responsible for the plaintiff's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Strict deadlines may apply, so call 800-966-3316. That's 800-966-3316 for a free case review today. Thank <laughs> you. 
I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me. Your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Day number two of the Farm Progress Show. Weather's great, crowds are big, and uh, field demonstrations are going. Lots going on here at the Farm Progress Show. We're broadcasting from the Syngenta tent today. Joined now by Tom Tracy, president and CEO of Farm Credit Illinois. Tom, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too, Mike. Well, let's talk about the ag economy. We know that there are a lot of challenges and a lot of issues out there. One of the things that has been... Uh, a, a positive in all of this is farmland values have held pretty well considering what's going on. I know you've done some uh, uh, research on that. What can you tell us? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because I think it's easy to get, you know, kind of down right now with some of the other pressures out there on ag. And there are a couple of real good things going for us. We've had uh, not only are interest rates getting a little bit lower right now, We've had a fantastic uh, kind of stabilized deflation of the land market. Um, so really we're at a pretty level spot. Our year-over-year study shows relatively level values across all quality levels for farmland in uh, downstate Illinois. Um, as you know, probably it peaked in 2014. We're about 15.5% off the highs in 2014, which, I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, that that's back to what 2012 value uh 2000 i'm sorry 2014 value 2000 so we've backed up about a year maybe two years prior to that so i mean still really really strong values out there holding in well um interest rates are a big part of that obviously with rates remaining low that that enables the capitalization rates on that ground to to stay where it's at but uh commodities obviously there's some downward pressure uh, being exerted from current levels of commodity prices. But the concern was that we could see a crash in, yeah. the, in the farmland uh, uh, market, but we've not seen that. No, we absolutely haven't. So, I mean, I think we all realized during the run-up that we were going to see a cycle. You know, at the, the industry we're in cyclical. We're going to see some cyclicality to the farmland market. And honestly, this is about the most ideal scenario you could have from a standpoint of doing some correction in that market as it ran up. So I think your point's well made. I think um, it's really one of the the blessings that we do have in agriculture right now is that that farmland market has stayed so stable. Are we seeing outside money coming in to buy farmland or are other farmers buying farmland when it comes up? Yeah, so, I mean, we keep our eyes on this pretty close, too, as you know. 
Uh, there is still strong farmer interest out there. Um, there, I mean, there are some, I guess what you would call pure landlord-type investors out there in the market, but we are still seeing, by and large, uh, very well-capitalized farms and, and farming operations continue to buy ground, particularly when it comes available within you know their sphere of influence, their local area. A lot of farmers in Illinois cash rent. What are we seeing with those values? Yeah, so uh, same story, very stable, very stable. Um, There has been some uh, retracement from, I guess, what you would call the peaks, but that's even been a little less pronounced than I think we've seen overall in the farmland value. So we're we're just still right in there. it speaks to the. It speaks really to the quality of leadership management on these farming operations. They have significant working capital, significant equity. Um, you know, unlike in the '80s where those metrics really, really dropped quickly and precipitously. Um, you know, the resiliency, particularly here in Illinois, of our farmers has been really strong, and it, it enables them to stay in a strong position and support these things. We're talking with Tom Tracy, president and CEO of Farm Credit Illinois. All right, so we know, you know, prices aren't where we'd like to see them, even though, um, you know, they've been up and down. Right. uh, And we don't know what's going to happen as this year yet plays out. But we know the weather challenges this year, the trade issues, and all these factors. Um, How much help, from an overall standpoint, have you seen these market facilitation program payments that farmers are receiving? How big of a help are they uh, when you look at the uh, farmers and their financial situations right now? Yeah, so setting aside, I think, the farmer's desire to grow a crop and market a crop, um, I would say it's, it's been a significant help. Uh, we saw the payments last fall coming in, and uh, as a lender, we can we see the other side of that directly, so we can tell as, as the farmers receive those payments what happens with their operating line uh, exposure, which, you know, they're paying interest on. So we saw paydowns in operating lines consistent with those payments being made, which, so not only, not only did that provide some income support for those farming operations that are negatively impacted by this trade scenario we're, we're dealing with, it immediately provided interest relief because to some extent they're not carrying those same principal dollars out there. Um, so I think it's been a it's been a fantastic program. It's one of those uh, great moments where I think governments responded well to pressures that are created by government strategies uh, to make sure that those that are directly impacted and least able, frankly, to bear some of to, the farmer has no control in that in that trade scenario. So I think it's been very appropriate. How do you work with your customers, uh, and what do you tell them? What do they need to do to make sure you have that good working relationship that's needed to get through these tough times? Yeah, so, I mean, you know how complex our industry is. So, I mean, the, the, the most fundamental advice I can give is to, to talk to your loan officer frequently, to, to keep them updated on your operation. Better communication always leads to better outcomes. So the, the earlier that... Uh, you know, any partnership that you have on your farm, whether it's with your lender or whether it's with a key supplier, uh, the, you know, the, the more informed you keep them and the closer to your operation they are, the more likely it is, I think, that you're going to understand one another and understand uh, future plans for dealing with whatever stress there is on the farm. And there there is always a stress. Is the debt level going up? We hear about that sometimes that the, there's more debt being carried by farmers. Have you noticed that here in Illinois? Well, yeah. I mean, if you look uh, at FBFM data, you look at some of our data, it does show some increase in overall debt levels. I would say that leverage is still uh, very manageable. 
Um, a lot of folks, you know, everybody likes to tie back to the 80s. But, you know, we had, we had some real stress, pronounced stress in 09. Um, and if you look back to that 09 data, which we all came through just fine, that we're about where we were then. Um, and, and we recovered from that cyclical trough uh, very nicely. Tom, good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for the chat. All good right. to see you too. Take care. That's Tom Tracy, president and CEO of Farm Credit Illinois. With that, we'll wrap it up for today, day number two of the Farm Progress Show. Back tomorrow to wrap it up here in Decatur, Illinois. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.